The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, ring the bell. We are ready for an enormous middleweight showdown. The undisputed world championship as Canelo Alvarez gets set to defend his portions of the belt and the title against Daniel Jacobs, the miracle man who has one part of it, the IBF championship. It is Saturday night. It is 12 rounds. It is on DAZN from Las Vegas, and we are ready to preview it as part of Big Fight Weekend. Hope you are well. It is Cinco de Mayo. Public service announcement, be safe if you're consuming the uh, alcoholic uh, beverages, the cerveza on the weekend. Be careful, por favor, in and around all of that and celebrate responsibly as we get ready for this showdown to be part of the weekend that will see Alvarez uh, Canelo uh, putting up his WBA, WBC, and lineal middleweight championship version against, again, a guy that's a very rugged competitor, a guy that has overcome cancer. We're going to talk some about that a little bit later on the show in Daniel Jacobs, who won the IBF version of this belt uh, late last year. So now it has been set into motion that this world title unification bout would take place at 160. So we're ready to preview it for you here on Big Fight Weekend. And however you found the program, make sure you subscribe via iTunes here under Big Fight Weekend. Uh, love to have uh, all kinds of subscribers and feedback. By the way, we'll make mention that later on in this podcast, you'll hear from Marquise Johns, who runs the BigFightWeekend.com website, senior writer, the lead writer on that site. So Marquise will be here to talk about it again. Keep up with everything going on with boxing at Big Fight Weekend on Twitter and also BigFightWeekend.com in addition to this podcast. That's not the only guest that I have here breaking down Canelo Jacobs. Uh, straight ahead, the guy that will be on the call with Brian Kenny on the play-by-play of this fight for DAZN, the streaming service that will televise all throughout uh, North America online and really uh, other parts of the globe too, but specifically the United States and North America is where DAZN has the streaming service and the rights on that mega deal they did with Canelo Alvarez. Sergio Mora, the Latin snake, the guy that won the original Contender reality boxing show back some 15 years ago. He's here. He's a guy that has unique insight because he's been in the ring on a couple of previous occasions with Daniel Jacobs. Uh, lost both times, but fought him tough in both fights, including knocking him down down in their in their first fight so he'll have some insight in particular into Jacobs what kind of chance does uh, Canelo have to take him out or not some very interesting things some insight some analysis from Sergio Mora who again will be on the call Saturday night in Vegas on DAZN also love the insight he's back on the podcast of David Payne who uh, does a fantastic job writing about the sport, the great sweet science, the fistic art of boxing. His site is boxingwriter.co.uk. David's got a preview of this uh, Canelo Jacobs fight on his website uh, right now. I'll get his insight into what he thinks about this fight. And really, one of the themes with our our guest is going to be, we haven't had a great fight, a spectacular big-time fight so far this calendar year we've now flipped into the month of may on the calendar do we need to have are we expecting a a big knockout a a a big dramatic moment fight exciting fight? i hope so because the errol spence mikey garcia fight didn't deliver on, on that front uh neither did pacquiao and broner uh on that front on their portion of the world welterweight 
championship. We've yet to have Deontay Wilder, who's fighting in a couple of weeks, defend his belt this year. He hasn't been in the ring. Anthony Joshua finally has an opponent. I'm going to talk with David Payne about this from the UK perspective. Joshua's opponent is an American, uh, Andy Ruiz, who just recently fought uh, in a uh, on a fight card, on a PBC fight card, Premier Boxing Champions on, on Fox. They finally settled on him as the replacement opponent. The original re- uh, opponent, Big Baby Miller, drug test failures, plural. So he's out. They finally came up with, did matchroom boxing an opponent? It's Andy Ruiz. We'll talk more about him and about this fight. But Joshua's not been in the ring this year. Wilder's not been in the ring. That We haven't had the spectacular big-time fight. So I'm going to ask all of our guests about this, about whether we need this for 2019. So that's what we have coming up on the program. We make mention to you that we are sponsored in part by Vivid Seats and their mobile app. If you are looking for great tickets for this Canelo Jacobs fight coming up in Vegas on Saturday night, go right now. Do not hesitate to Vivid Seats for tremendous selection, great customer service, and our promo code is BIGFIGHT10 to take 10% off of your initial order. If you're a first-time user on Vivid Seats, use that promo code BIGFIGHT10. You'll take 10% off up to $50 off your purchase. So again, they've got uh, great customer service, 100% satisfaction guaranteed with your purchase. It's completely guaranteed. Uh, Go check it out on Vivid Seats for Canelo and Jacobs through Vivid Seats and that promo code BIGFIGHT10. So let's get started. Let's get some insight. Let's get some analysis on this fight a little bit as we go along on the heavyweight showdown that's now set up for Madison Square Garden on June the 1st. That and much more. It is Big Fight Weekend. Let's get rolling. Counting down, Saturday night, World Unified Middleweight Championship title fight. Canelo Alvarez defending against Daniel Jacobs, scheduled 12-rounder. And who better to give me some insight into this? He will be on the call with Brian Kenny on DAZN, on the streaming service uh, for this World Middleweight title fight. He is the Latin Snake. He is Sergio Mora with me on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Thank you. I know you are busy, so thank you for hopping on to give me some insight into this fight as we count it down. The excitement is building, Snake. Yeah, the excitement is building. And you know what? Fight week's always fun here in Vegas. Uh, Every day just gets bigger. The fans start pouring in. And Thursday is when you really start seeing all the all the fans, all the passion, the mariachi. Since it is a Cinco de Mayo weekend, the Mexican flag, the American flag, it's going to be a, a great, great buildup. I'll tell you that. Well, as I have mentioned before, you've come on. You've got unique insight from the standpoint of Daniel Jacobs. You have been in the ring with him on a couple of occasions. I know you would have loved to have had your hand raised, obviously, both times. That did not happen. You did score a knockdown in the first fight uh, with Daniel Jacobs. Having been in the ring with him, give me some insight about this man uh, and, uh, and about uh, what he's made up of going into this title fight. Well, he's not the same person that I fought um, uh, four or five years ago. Uh, Daniel Jacobs has evolved into a, an all-around complete fighter, pretty much. He has... He's always had the power and the speed and athleticism, but it's what was knocking him was his technique and the fact that people thought that he couldn't take a punch because he's been knocked out by Perog, got dropped by a so-called non-puncher like myself. But then he gets dropped by Golovkin, gets up, and almost wins the fight. So this is a different fighter. He's evolved into a this athletic, confident machine. You know, I, you know, that, I guess that's some mentality that he had. After going 12 with Golovkin, uh, 
peeling himself off the canvas and then, you know, stopping me. And then ultimately knocking out cancer. I mean, after, after you go up against a life-threatening disease, uh, how can you not look at the world different? You know, so this guy has nothing to lose, everything to gain. And, and this is his moment, man. It seems like, like it's destined for him to do something great. Well, there is no doubt uh, that the toughest opponent has has been cancer in his life. You beat that. You come on. His nickname is the Miracle Man, one of his nicknames um, in that regard. You mentioned his toughness. We saw that in his last fight last October uh, with Derevyuchenko for the, for the vacant belt, the vacant IBF belt. We saw that toughness against Golovkin. Is that one of his best weapons? Because you know Alvarez is going to land some punches. You got to come in knowing I've got to be tough, and I may even get knocked down, and I got to get up. Do you not? I'm glad you brought up the, the Sergey Dervinchenko fight because yes, that was a very tough fight, and it was against a guy he's very familiar with. There were stable mates they sparred before. I never wanted to spar a former sparring partner because they know a little bit too much. Uh, they they know your your tricks. They know your inside moves and outside moves. They know your timing better than anyone because they sparred with you. So I've made it a point, a rule of thumb, never to fight a sparring partner. And I've had those opportunities before, and I've declined them. Uh, so him beating uh, a former champ- a champion like Dervinchenko, that says a lot. Not only that, he beat you know Caleb Truax, who ended up winning a super middleweight championship. You know, I'm a former champion. He went 12 with a monster in Golovkin after getting dropped. After, you know, once Golovkin drops somebody, chances are he's going to stop him. Jacobs was able to go six, seven more rounds, and not only that, almost come back and beat the man. So we're, we're, we're not seeing the same Daniel Jacobs that we saw when, when, when he fought Pirog or when he had uh, lackluster performances or when he can, couldn't take guys out. This is a complete fighter, an evolved fighter, uh, a, a fighter that's already uh, at, the, at the peak of his power and strength and man, manhood and and uh, he, he, I just think he's, gonna, he's a different beast. But he is fighting, arguably, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, one of them at least. So he has, he's going to have his hands full. But, I mean, this, this is what these special moments are about. And he's had, he's had this moment before. I mean, uh, he has the amateur pedigree. He's a former champion. And he's been in there with monsters. And he's been dropped. So everything's already there. Now it's just time to go out there and shine on the big stage. He's ready for the big stage. That is the voice of Sergio Mora. He will also be part of the big stage. He'll be on the call with Brian Kenny on the play-by-play, Chris Mannix and the DAZN broadcast team. DAZN wants, you to let, wants to let you know this is a humongous event this weekend. It is part of their offer. The $99 annual pass for DAZN still exists right now. Great offer from them. You get over 100 fight nights a year with DAZN for that streaming service. It's like the Netflix of sports that Sergio is part of. Did a great job on the call of the Estrada Sorung Visai fight uh, recently, that uh, lighter weight title fight that was in uh, California. Now, this one, a, a mega fight, a mega middleweight fight. All right, so uh, obviously Canelo is the champ. It's expected that he is going to win. I guess a question to you. Uh, strategically here for Alvarez. You mentioned the toughness. What else are you going to look for for Canelo, especially early, uh, that says to you he may win and win convincingly? That's because of why. What will Canelo be doing if he wins and wins easily? Canelo, uh, he, he, he doesn't really need to change much, but I, he did spar 180 rounds for this camp, and that's a lot of rounds, but that tells me that he expects a physical fight. So he put himself 
through a physical training camp because he's going to be in there with a uh, with a man that's going to probably come in outweighing him almost twenty pounds, if not more. If lucky for him, he has a, a, a the, the there's a, a weight clause that he can't gain more than ten pounds uh, overnight. But once they weigh in at eight in the morning, Jacobs is able to rehydrate from eight in the morning to about 7, 8 p.m. when they go up uh, on, on the big stage. So he's going to have another 12 hours to rehydrate. I expect him to be about 20, two, 20 to 22 pounds heavier than Canelo. That's going to be a massive difference. Wow. You're going to see the, the size difference once they touch gloves in the middle of the ring. I want hey, all your- on that point, if I can interject, on is that a good thing uh, for boxing that yeah. fighters are doing that to their body and, and there's that kind of weight disparity when it's supposed to be somewhat an equal? Do you believe, just as an analyst now, not a fighter, that that's good for the sport overall? Well, look, that's the way it is. I mean, we, we, we break our bodies down to make a certain weight. We try to do it in a healthy manner. I used to drop about 18 pounds when mm-hmm. I fought at, uh, at 154. But healthy, I try not to lose more than you know, 13, 15 pounds in a training camp. In eight weeks, you can do it in a healthy manner. When a fighter rehydrates over, this is my rule of thumb, anytime a fighter rehydrates over 12 pounds, especially over 15 pounds, he may weight the wrong weight or he's in the wrong weight division and he's struggling too much. Usually eight to 10 pounds is, is the norm. But um, Jacob is a very big middleweight and you're going to realize that. When, when I weighed in and I fought Jacob the first two times, he looks normal at the, at, at the weigh-in. He looks, <laughs> I mean, he looks normal. Step into the ring, 24 hours later, he looks like a light heavyweight and not a cruiserweight. He's huge, he's muscular, he's big, and then he's coming at you with that power. So I want all your listeners to, to mark my words. I'm not promoting a, a fighter, promoting a guy that's beating me. This is a big man, and when they step in the middle of the ring and touch gloves, you're going to see Canelo fighting a guy twice twice as big as him or fighting a, a, a damn near light heavyweight. He's wow. huge, he's strong, but he's athletic. Okay, another one for Sergio Mora here. Uh, we, we saw there was a lot of hype around the Spence-Garcia fight uh, back now about six, eight weeks ago. Uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao had an Adrian Broner fight earlier again, lighter weights than what this is in the middleweight division. Neither one of those fights delivered on excitement on a big, you know, spectacular scale. Do we need, I'm just saying, do we need a spectacular fight to kind of jumpstart this fight year 2019 out of this one on Saturday night? What do you think? For the casual fan, for the average fan, for, for, for the person that just, you know, occasionally watches big fights, yes, we need a big spectacular fight. For the avid boxing fan, we had one last week with, uh, I think, we, uh, 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 the zone had the best card, top or bottom. It beat out ESPN and Showtime, Dohani Roman, and Estrada Sorumbinsai. I mean, from, from the beginning to the end of those two fights were incredible. And I think we just saw the, the fight of the year, in my opinion, with Dohani and Roman, if, if your viewers watch that. Mm-hmm. See, those, aren't the, those aren't the big pay-per-view fights, but if you want quality and action and fight of the year type stuff, we got it last week. But for, for the casuals, yes. Jacobs and Canelo need to deliver. And I, I believe they will because Jacobs is just too big of a fighter, too strong. He has the amateur pedigree. And I think he will hurt Canelo because he's just that big of a fighter. Canelo ultimately will be the favorite. Uh, I think he, he, he probably does hurt Jacobs late. It all depends who takes the punch better. And I think, in my opinion, Canelo has a proven track record, never been down, takes a big punch, explosive. So that's why he's the 4-1 to one favorite. 
All right, so this is the showdown for Saturday night. Golovkin, Triple G, is kind of looming for a third fight with Canelo. But, hey, if Jacobs pulls the upset, this could be interesting, too, about whether it's an immediate rematch, hypothetically, with with Saul Canelo Alvarez, or whether it's another fight for Jacobs and Golovkin first, because uh, Triple G obviously did a deal as well with DAZN. That's for after this one. I'm just looking forward to seeing if it's going to be exciting. One more for you, because I love this. You obviously have fought at the highest level as a fighter, step through the ring, big moment, crowd going crazy. What is it like when they ring the bell Saturday night and you have a headset on next to Brian Kenny? Does the hair on the back of your neck still stand up? Do you still get rolling, Snake? I can tell. What about it? I'm glad you asked that because Brian Kenny is intimidating. If you ever work with him, you yeah. know that this man, he's a maestro. He, you know, he, he likes to control the orchestra. And for a rookie like me, if I step out of line, he'll make sure to check me. But Brian Kenny, I'm learning from the absolute best. And to keep up with that man is, is, is the best education I could possibly have. He's just a human computer. He's articulate. He's, he's fast. He's quick. He's witty. And to, you got to stay on your toes with Brian Kenny. So, I mean, yes, I fought on the biggest stages, but... I'm more nervous going up against DK than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, and part of it is we become fans. I broadcast it. You become a fan for a moment, too, because this is a big moment for boxing. Cinco de Mayo weekend, like you mentioned, world middleweight title, one of the one of the iconic fighters in the sport right now. And boxing is different than everything else because one punch can change everything in terms of hurting a fighter, cutting a fighter. I mean, you've lived it. You've seen it. Fight fans have seen it. We don't know. It's the unknown for Saturday on what's going to happen here. It's the last It's the last sport where it's mano on mano. No, you don't rely on anybody. There's no timeouts. Well, no, not really. Uh, and no one can help you. And it's just gloves, a pair of trunks, and some boxing shoes. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, that's the way it's been from the beginning of time, man. And that's the reason it's still appealing to us now, because it's just it's one man's will over another, and, and may the best man win. Uh, I mean, we'll it's, see. It's, it's poetic, and you can everyone loves it. Uh, no doubt. Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs uh, in Las Vegas. Again, DeZone has the fight. Sign up now. $99 discount for the next 12 months if you sign up with DeZone. And this man, the Latin snake, Sergio Mora, does a great job on the commentary. He'll be with Brian Kenny, Chris Mannix, the entire DeZone team on the call on the streaming service on Saturday evening. It was a treat to talk to you. I didn't even get to say this to you before we talked, but I'm going to make you smile even though I can't see you. I was a huge fan of of the original contender won by this <laughs> man the snake so i am old school alumni for contender viewership so it's a it's an honor even doubly to talk to the snake here on the big fight weekend podcast have a great call of the fight i appreciate you making time here let's see what happens with canelo and jacobs thank you sergio mora thank you tj for everything Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka, a fantastic product. Live local from the state of Florida. It is Touch Vodka. Go to touchvodka.com to find out more. And also Vivid Seats, a proud sponsor of Big Fight Weekend. Again, if you're looking for tickets for Canelo versus Jacobs on Saturday night or the upcoming Deontay Wilder World Heavyweight title defense in Brooklyn, Anthony Joshua's U.S. debut at Madison Square Garden June 1st, get your tickets through Vivid Seats and the promo code BIGFIGHT10 will save you 10% off your initial order. First-time users save 10%. Promo code BIGFIGHT10 with Vivid Seats. 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. Rolling along, heading to this showdown in Las Vegas with Canelo Alvarez and the Miracle Man, Daniel Jacobs. It is a 12-round world middleweight main event in Las Vegas on Saturday evening. So we continue here on Big Fight Weekend, not only talking that fight, but dual purpose. And I love I love bringing this guy on. We missed him the last time that we were on in and around Big Fight Weekend. Can't go two in a row without talking to my guy, the boxing writer, over in the UK. England's David Payne is back with me on Big Fight Weekend. You, my friend, I should let the audience know, have been a bit under the weather. I'm glad you're feeling better and feeling well enough to chat with me. You're going to, you know, you, you kind of had a round where you needed to take a round off, took some punches, took a couple to the body. You went over into the over into the corner, sat on the stool for uh, for 60 seconds. Now you're back coming out swinging in this round metaphorically i love it how you feeling uh much better yes i i, I did have a no mass last week or the week before so i am uh, apologies for for not being able to support you on the american thing but um no on the men voice is a bit deeper thinking of releasing a blues album but apart <laughs> from that, we're almost back to full strength and the power of, uh, of of nasal and congestive drugs is good in in the UK, I'm sure, as it is in the United States, and trying to help with all of this. So, I think I think I'd fail a um, a valid test. Right? Would you Probably. fail as many as Big Baby Miller? I don't know if you'd fail as many as him, but you might fail one. You're saying if that is uh, if that is. I the don't. Case. Th- I, I don't think anyone could fail as many as as Big Baby Miller. Uh. Miller but you know. Who knows? Well, I wouldn't like to take the test. I've had enough over-the-counter supplements to to make me rattle. So we'll see how we go. But I'm looking forward to chatting about a big fight class. Yes, there's a lot to talk about. Let's let's go first chronologically with the fight that we have Saturday night. Then we'll get to Joshua and his new air quotes opponent and the June 1st showdown <laughs> at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs. If I just hit you with it, what strikes you? What interests you uh, for this fight Saturday night? It's a great fight, isn't it? It's number one and three, or two and three, or three and one, however you want to talk about it. It's the two of the best three middleweights in the world going at it, essentially in their primes, and we've waited a long time for that to happen in any of the divisions this year. We've been very excited coming into 2019. We do feel like we've been stalling somewhat, don't we? We've been stuck in traffic on the way to the party, so it's good to it's good to have a tip-top match Let's hope it all goes well. Um, they both weigh in okay, and there's no late dramas, and um, we see a great contest. But I'm, I'm excited about the tactical side of it. I hope the cards are fair if it goes to cards, uh, and we just have a good outcome for boxing for both fighters and for boxing in general because I think it needs it. I'll, I'll, I won't go for the phrase "shot in the arm" because the one thing boxing doesn't need is another shot in the arm. Um, that's an unfortunate uh, metaphor. No, but it, it, it mm-hmm. needs. It's, it needs a it needs a perk, doesn't it? We need something to get our teeth into, rather than politics and purse pits. Well, and you you're kind of prophetic. You haven't heard the interview that I did with the Latin Snake Sergio Mora, who's on the call. He and Brian Kenny on DAZN. But I put that same question to him that where Spence and Garcia did not deliver the welterweight huge showdown that we thought with great exchanges and spectacular drama. It was it was more or less Spence dominating the fight. Pacquiao Broner, in large part, 
dominated by Pacquiao in a snooze fest. I said to the snake, I said, do we not need a spectacular fight no matter who wins? Do we not need some drama and interest to kind of kickstart 2019 here in May? Because the other two didn't really kickstart it, David. I kind of hear you saying the same thing. Well, it's exactly the same. I mean, um, well, and also falling back on the heavyweights, which we'll come to soon when we were chatting in November and December and we had that amazing fight with um, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. We probably thought we would have had another big Joshua fight by now, um, perhaps against Dillian White. We, we thought we'd have had a Fury-Wilder rematch by now. So the calendar's been light when we thought it would be laden with with beautiful fights. So it's... Um, there's a lot. There's a lot riding on this, and, and, and boxing really does need these two guys to bring it all. Be at their best. No injuries. No silly missing missing weights or anything. No late dramas. Just two guys having a great contest, and what will be will be, and let the best man win. Um, though all that aside, all that um, the bigger picture stuff is a fascinating fight between the two. They're, they're two different physical specimens bringing different attributes to the ring. And it's going to be really interesting from a tactical point of view to see how it unfolds. But, you know, the tactics is one thing. We need some fun and excitement. So, as you said, we need we need a little bit of explosiveness mixed in with the tactics. Well, I wonder here, too, with Jacobs now at middleweight, uh, he gave he gave his all against Golovkin, got off the canvas, as we were talking about earlier uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, against Golovkin, lasted the distance, couldn't win the fight. Alvarez went the distance twice with Triple G, and a lot of people thought he lost both fights, at least one of them, if not both of them, on the cards, as you like to call them. He got both decisions. Do you anticipate that this one could be a knockout, or are we in for a long night and it's whoever tactically banks the most rounds and ends up winning a decision no matter who wins? David, what's your take? Well, I, th- I think <clears throat> I go into this fight with some assumptions that could be challenged by this fight. Um, I don't actually, for all the size advantages we talk about for Jacobs, and he, and he is an enormous middleweight, will probably weigh in um, close on light heavyweight um, by by the time he walks to the, to the ring. Um, I, I, I don't think he can knock out Alvarez. I, don't, I, I think Alvarez has shown in the Golovkin fights that he can take very heavy shots from a big puncher in, in combination as well as individual single shots uh, over 24 rounds. I think... Um, and with longer at this weight, um, more settled into this weight class now, his little experiment with super middleweight too, I, 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 I think there's enough evidence to suggest that Canelo can take his best shots. And then once once you reach that conclusion, uh, I then struggle to find a pathway for Jacobs to win. Um, he could box from the outside, but I often when I've watched Jacobs and I've rewatched a couple of his fights, obviously in preparation, um, I don't feel like he's quite busy enough. I don't think he's quite, he, he lands quite enough shots. Um, he land, he typically land, throws about 550 shots, and I'm not one for computer box stats. They don't tell us everything. But he usually throws around the 550 mark and landing about 170. I, I don't think that's going to do enough damage. I don't think that's going to win him enough rounds against um, Canelo, who tends to fight a bit busier than that, and showed in the, the second Golovkin fight that he's prepared to walk forward to, walk into the fight to, to get his shots off and, and had actually had more success and was busier uh, via that method. So um, I'm anticipating Canelo being able to do enough and obviously we, we, we can't ignore the fact that the money's behind him um, and 
he's going to get the benefit of the doubt in a close points cards verdict. So, um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see him try. It's going to be interesting to see if Jacobs can keep him on the end of the jab, or does Jacobs have the worry about the cards in his own mind, and does he come out and actually try and impose himself and force Canelo back? There are different scenarios. There are different ways that the psychology could affect for the way they fight, um, which is what makes it interesting because we're not. We're, we're, it's not a certainty. Over here in the UK, we've had too many cards recently where the opponents come in at forty to one, fifty to one, hundred to one. <laughs> we're, being, we're being present. We're being presented as that as a pay per view as a chief support. So it's really good that these guys are closely matched. I'm leaning towards Canelo, but. Um, there is enough in Jacob's locker to make it very competitive, or or even more, or, or even for him to take it. But personally, I, I think Canelo can take away his, his his best attributes and do enough to win. Voice of David Payne again. You can find him on social media at the Boxing Writer. Love his insight whenever we get the chance to lean on him here as part of Big Fight Weekend, especially if there are ties to Europe, European fighters, English fighters, British fighters. Love that angle. Uh, Read him on his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. He's got a preview up of the Canelo Jacobs fight on his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. We also, uh, from time to time, will repurpose what David writes and put it up on the bigfightweekend.com website because he allows us to do that. He's a gentleman for allowing us to do that and sharing what he uh, writes and what he thinks. Uh, One more on this. Your opinion uh, is the winner of this destined to be fighting a Triple G sometime later this year? It would obviously be a third for Canelo if that's the case. But if Jacobs wins, I don't know what the automatic rematch clause is. Maybe maybe that does kick in immediately. But could uh, Triple G maybe awaiting the winner of this? Because I'm sure Jacobs, if he's victorious, would love another shot in a mega, mega payday at, at Triple G. David, speculate. Yeah, the, the the great thing here, of course, is that these three guys are all on the one network. Uh, we seem to be moving into a times where um, we have TV or network platform champions rather than sanctioning body champions these days. So it's good that all these three guys are on the same uh, DAZN, uh, DAZN platform. And right. one, can, one can hope that these rematches trilogies are going to unfold over the next year two years um Golovkin signing up with his own gives really brings that home as well so um it would it would depend on the nature of the outcome i guess if jacobs wins narrowly uh, he probably goes towards a Golovkin fight and and canelo would need to rebound with a win um if there's a knockout then that they're probably struck out of that conversation for a little while but i think there will always be legs in the canelo golovkin trilogy um there'll always be legs in that because of so so much contention about the outcomes in the first two but of course for golovkin despite the fact he signed i think a five or six fight contract the clock is ticking at 37 years old so i hope we do no doubt some- I hope one of those is before the end of the year. You're right. Age is a factor there with Triple G. A lot of people don't realize and and remember. uh, I mean, is he going to continue to fight 38, 39, 40? Maybe, but that's not a guarantee if that's the case. All right, as I mentioned, I I have you here for insight on all things. We finally, wait a minute, let me double check. Let me triple check. We finally have an opponent. I'm looking here on on the papers. It still says it. Okay. Uh, we have an opponent for Anthony Joshua, and it's American, uh, California, Mexican-American Andy Ruiz. 
Okay, that being said, I, I don't think a lot of people are jumping up and down at that name and that matchup. So I guess I put it to you, first of all. It is an opponent, but what, is it, what does it say to you, what does it mean to you that a month out they finally found somebody and it's a guy that just seems to be a guy, a heavyweight that has a decent punch that's fairly... What does it say to you here, this opponent for Anthony Joshua, June 1? I think we have to go back to the, the, the. It is a bit of a mess, TJ, and I think we have to go back to the crucible of of where it all began, really, uh, or or what what was the uh, rationale for selecting Miller in the first place? They needed an American, and they needed someone who would be fun. They needed someone who would be quotable, uh, and would come and have a bit of a fight, not try and box behind a high guard and go to a drag point. It's Joshua's American debut. They need him to knock somebody out. <laughs> They want the other, right. they want the, they want the other guy to be American, and they want him to come and throw some punches, and that's basically the criteria for selecting the opponent. Obviously, with Miller out of the running, thank God, and I hope we never see him in a ring again. Um, and I, and you'll remember that I was never a fan of that fight really from the get go. If he wasn't three hundred pounds, he probably wouldn't have got it. It was his only defining quality really, apart from being American. Um, however. With Joshua, as you say, four or five weeks out, he's prepared for a big guy, um, someone who's going to throw punches, have a go. He doesn't want to change horses tactically and have to prepare for someone who's six foot nine who's going to box behind a jab, etc., or someone who's really slippery and quick. He wants someone similar. Now, um, the, it's a narrow field, as we know. We've talked about the heavyweight division before. We've got three great fighters at the top, Dillian White, perhaps, Luis Ortiz, perhaps. But after that, it's a thin field. Um, so it's no surprise that really where they've ended up, to be honest, is a low-risk fight, which should be entertaining because Ruiz will come and fight, uh, at least, um, and it'll end in a knockout. And Joshua will move on to more negotiations about fights with Fury and Wilder that he's not going to have this year. Um, so his status quo is just—he's preserving a status quo that was flawed from the beginning. That wasn't wasn't about building legacy, or credibility, or or, or making fans of, of us of us hardcore hacks. It was about introducing him to an American audience and him knocking someone out. Ruiz will tick those boxes. It'll be fun for two or three rounds. But Joshua is far too competent heavyweight, I would think, to get caught out by Andy Ruiz. I don't know that it goes two or three rounds. I, it would not surprise me, David Payne. I, I saw Ruiz fight, uh, his recent fight with D- Dimitrinko, if that's how you say it, uh, Alexander Dimitrinko, uh, in California. I've seen o- online another one of his fights. He lost to Joseph Parker by majority decision, but he took a year off in 2017 and didn't fight at all. He's 25 to 30 pounds at least overweight. I didn't. I mean, I don't see a fighter that's in great shape. And I see somebody that if Joshua presses the issue, this could be like a minute or a minute and a half farce at Madison Square Garden. That's that's my read that's, on this a month out. That's it's entirely conceivable, uh, entirely conceivable. But I, I would venture that was entirely conceivable with Miller too. Sure. Um, uh, his his size gave him some protection, um, but. Uh, Ruiz, Ruiz has got faster hands, and I'd argue his record is no weaker than Miller's was. You could probably make a case that it's stronger um, in terms of experience. But yes, no fighter who runs, no fighter who skips, and no fighter who spars and hits heavy bags should look like Ruiz does. 
Um, so he's, <laughs> he's, he's either a cruiserweight carrying excessive weight, or or he just doesn't train. I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Not not everyone can be body beautiful, and sometimes we do get too hung up on the kind of BMI porn that gets circulated because guys don't fight. They're too busy taking pictures in mirrors. But by the same token, as a professional athlete, Ruiz shouldn't look how he looks. Um, and I, I hope it isn't over in 30 seconds or a minute. But I, I can't deny it's a, it's a possibility because Joshua, I would presume, will want this over and done with, will want to make a show, will want to highlight real, a viral knockout, whatever you want to call it. Um, to reunite the support that he's had and introduce him to that American audience. People love knockouts. Um, so you, you might be right. It might be first minute. Personally, I think you would probably go two or three. But we'll see. We will find out on that. And again, I still contend, you've heard me railing away on this. I'll continue to say it because we're going to do a big fight weekend preview of the Wilder Brazil fight too coming uh, in New York, in Brooklyn, two weeks before this one. That, that, that one could dictate here, especially if Wilder is spectacular in that one with an early knockout, that it's almost necessitating that Joshua better be spectacular in his fight and do it quickly against a guy that we, we basically believe he will, uh, he will bomb out of there. Hey, I know I, I, I'm going to hit you with this, but I'm going to give you a chance to think about it while I hit you with this because this weekend we have a couple of anniversaries. One of those is the Thursday night anniversary at the time that we're talking 10-year anniversary of Manny Pacquiao knocking out Ricky Hatton um, in the second round uh, near the end of Hatton's career, as it turns out. Pacquiao uh, in the prime of his career, that fight 10 years ago, 2009. Pacquiao scored a couple of first-round knockdowns, the fight being held at 140 pounds. He eventually just absolutely leveled Ricky Hatton with one big left hook to end that fight. So that's a 10-year anniversary. Uh, And also the anniversary of Floyd Mayweather beating Oscar De La Hoya by decision, another controversial decision. What else is new in boxing? The anniversary of that fight is also this weekend. So it's just interesting. I mean, Pacquiao is obviously still active. De La Hoya, Hatton, Mayweather are no longer active. But the, for the lighter weight guys, it's fun to go back and relive those fights. It's, it, I mean, in going back and reliving Pacquiao in his prime in that fight with Hatton, his hands were just so fast, David Payne, that it overwhelmed Ricky Hatton that night. Oh, the 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 well, there's two things. Firstly, that was probably the best couple of years of Manny Pacquiao's career, wasn't it? I mean, that run that he had in 2008. When you look back at it, it's just staggering. 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. He went Juan Manuel Marquez, Diaz, De La Hoya, Hatton, Cotto, Clotty, Marguerite, or Mosley. <laughs> in, from 2008 to 2010, 11. But that 08, 09, when he went De La Hoya, Hatton, Cotto, just astonishing. And all three were stopped. I mean, that's uh, for anybody to do that in a 12-month period is is amazing. So it was peak Pacquiao, in my opinion, and Ricky was post-peak, still a young man, but post-peak, and unfortunately not very well prepared for that fight. I don't think emotionally, physically, etc. Life beginning to unravel. Partnership with Billy Graham had ended. So I don't, I don't, um, I'm not suggesting that the outcome would have been very much different had Hatton been better prepared, but. I think the magic had gone by the time he, he, he fought Pacquiao and he suggested as much without wishing to detract from his friends, they're now friends, Manny um, Pacquiao's achievement in knocking him out. But yeah, great, ten, ten, ten years ago, I mean, where does the time go? Sure. Where does the time go? 
it's uh, it's amazing how quick quick these things um, disappear over the horizon in, in the rearview mirror. Well, and sure, and as I mentioned, Mayweather de la Hoya was a controversial one. There, were, there have been some other ones uh, with other decisions in and around there. So uh, those guys fought a mega fight, too, as well, that has an anniversary this weekend. It's always seemingly around Cinco de Mayo, where we have something big. And in this case, it's Canelo and Jacobs. Go ahead. One more thought. Uh, yeah, well, the, 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 the Mayweather thing, um, it won't make me popular with some because he's got diehard fans, but... The less I have to speak about Mayweather, that's how I prefer it. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, in, he's, in, he's in a box in my memory with Vladimir Klitschko because so many of his fights, you have to acknowledge his skill, you have to acknowledge his longevity, but so many of his fights just bored me to tears. Um, and, yeah, I, I very rarely celebrate a Mayweather anniversary other than the I hear you. Well, and look, and this is and this is fair. The guy, the guy won them all. The guy became a mega famous fighter by winning them all, and a multimillionaire in doing it. But it's everybody's right that follows the sport and knows the sport to say he constantly ducked fighters for whatever reason uh, and reasons plural until it was ultimately in his best interest and his best advantage and the odds were best in his favor. And you and I are of the old school belief the great ones should fight the other great ones and the other best ones in their prime no matter what. And he's the epitome of having avoided that for a lot of his career. So I know what you're saying without saying it. That's for sure. That's absolutely true. And the only revenge I can ever get in my mind, because I'll never never likely meet Floyd, certainly with the attitude I've demonstrated this evening, is that in my own mind, I can always imagine that Tommy Hearns would have flattened him in three rounds. So um, <laughs> it, it, no one can ever take that away from me. Well, and yeah, what what would have happened if he fought Duran in his prime? What what would have happened? I mean, we always love those those what if games. What if what if the Mayweather Pacquiao fight had happened in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, not two thousand fifteen, because Mayweather didn't want to fight him for three or four years while he was in his prime, and Pacquiao Pacquiao very much wanted to fight Mayweather in two thousand eight, nine, ten, eleven, and it never came off. Uh, yes. What if? What I, if? I, sorry, TJ. As as you say, um, time passes very quickly. The thing to be careful of is is venturing these opinions too liberally on the internet because you can find time disappearing trying to counter the arguments that are put back to back in your call about why he didn't fight Shane Mosley at 135, why he never fought Costa Zoo at 140, why, 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 why? Um, because there are a thousand million. People out there will tell you why and why Mayweather is the best. But the trouble he had with Castillo tells me all I need to know about how he would have struggled with Duran. Um, and maybe that's my age. Maybe I've become one of those people that well, and, it was always hey, better in my Hey, and bring it back to Canelo Alvarez. I mean, the one blemish that's on Alvarez's career as a loss is because Mayweather understood he's not ready to fight a boxer like me moving up in weight to do it, and I can jab him, I can elude him, I can frustrate him, and I'll beat him, and that's exactly what happened. And it ended up being kind of an anticlimactic, boring fight. Very true. Um, I would always maintain um, journalistic intents here that we always remember the other asterisks that's on Canelo Alvarez's career, of course, which is his failed drugs test. Let's not let's not overlook and forget that. But yes, you're absolutely right. Mayweather, uh, I would sum up his boxing career by saying that he's a fabulous businessman. 
No doubt. No doubt on that. Uh, listen, you're always great to join us. I know you're a little lower on voice now that I've t- troubled you and taxed you taxed you for about 20 minutes. Uh, again, I will plug away on your behalf. The boxing writer on Twitter. He doesn't have to have a great voice. He just has to have a keyboard or the uh, or the phone to punch in the uh, the letters. Uh, follow him throughout this weekend for his takes and opinions on the uh, on the Alvarez uh, Jacobs uh, showdown before, during, and after. Read him boxingwriter.com co.uk we love having him on the big fight weekend podcast even when he's not at a hundred percent he's a gamer he's the boxing writer david payne thank you thank you for jumping on board here let's hope we get a good one i know we say this frequently let's hope we get a good one out of canelo jacobs on saturday night let's see what happens well i I certainly hope that's the case i think we deserve it i think boxing fans deserve something to be able to tell our kids and grandkids about don't we we're we're overdue one so let's hope Mr. Alvarez and Mr. Jacobs deliver it for us on Saturday night. Canelo and Jacobs coming up on Saturday night on DAZN from Las Vegas World Middleweight Title Showdown. And to help talk about it a little bit more, here is part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. He is back. Love the insight, the wit, the writing, and much more of Marquise John's Big Fight Weekend Dot com. It's here, my friend. We have we have flipped the calendar to May to Cinco de Mayo weekend, and we get Canelo Alvarez back in the in the ring. And what we anticipate will be a good, if not great, fight. How are you? How anxious are you for this one? Pretty good. Happy Cinco de Mayo in advance, everybody. And I am looking forward to this fight, like everybody else is actually, because this is the fight that brings pretty much the one people who do not watch boxing on a regular basis back into the fold. Well, we talked to Sergio Mora about that point. He's going to be on the call on DAZN with Brian Kenny, and he said, "Look, the hardcore boxing fan knows about this fight, but like you just said, the chance for the casual sports fan, the guy that watches boxing occasionally, to gravitate to something that could be a really good fight." So. Uh, how important, uh, I'll lay it to you, because you and I uh, have kind of written about this or talked about this in and around the aftermath of Spence Garcia, Pacquiao Broner wasn't exciting, wasn't thrilling. Uh, don't we need an exciting fight here Saturday night to kind of energize 2019 a little bit, Marquise? I think we do in regards to important pay-per-view fights per se, in regards to big Saturday night boxing-like highlight fights as well, because... So far this year, as we mentioned before, with Pacquiao Brauner, not so good, Spence Garcia, not so good, and Crawford Khan, we don't even know who's even seen it so far, let alone not being good as well. So at this point, it's free strikes are out on the expense of pay-per-views, which is why the zone is working on, hopefully, with them, this could not come at a better time for them to break the mold in the format of, of boxing pay-per-views with this fight this weekend. Yeah. And, and uh, all right. So Jacobs, uh, you know, has been tough. He's been durable. He, he went the distance with Golovkin, got off the canvas and did that. Uh, this fight last year where he won the vacant IBF belt with Derev Yachenko, his sparring partner, that went 12 rounds. Do you believe we need to settle in here that this is going to be a long fight? At the minimum, it will be a, a an eight ten round fight. If not, it's going the distance. Or what do you think about Canelo Jacobs? I think this fight is going to go the distance. This is one of those matchups where it's going to take Alvarez a while to figure out Jacobs and vice versa. So there's going to be a lot of feeling out rounds. It may start off slow as expected from everybody I've I've looked at in regards to it as well. The pace of it may start slow. However, by the end of it, we may see something either in regards to Alvarez either knocking him down. Or being stopped completely, but I am actually rooting for the upset in this with Jacobs. Hopefully, 
pulling the strings on this one with Alvarez to, to if, unify all the belts. If Jacobs is going to pull that upset, what what do you think is the key to it? Maybe it's a couple things. It's a key to it that we should watch early and even as the fight is developing. What are you looking for? What I'm looking for from Jacobs is his ability to flat out counter the ring and pretty much cut off Alvarez, keeping the fight in front of him. If he goes toe-to-toe with Alvarez, it's going to be a short fight, and that's not going to happen. So he has to pretty much pace himself, keep him around the ring, and just be a better boxer than Alvarez for one, and pretty much have the fight of his life. And I'm, I'm thinking he's up to the challenge in regards to what I've seen for him. All right, so again, that one is the main event uh, on DAZN. Uh, the undercard is not tremendous uh, on this one. Um, I, I know you've got your eye on another fight that's on the ESPN card, and you've already kind of alluded to this and written on it on BigFightWeekend.com. What the, uh, the ESPN card is in Stockton, California, uh, that is on at, kind of at the same time as the undercard is unfolding in Las Vegas for Canelo and Jacobs, but it's not even necessarily one of the championship fights. You've got another fight that you, and fighter that you've got your eye on. Is what they call the six-round special attraction fight on the ESPN card on Saturday, <laughs> and it's nineteen-year-old Gabriel Flores who is taking on Eduardo Pereira, which I never heard of myself. But <laughs> the, the Flores is the star of the show because pretty much the reason why this fight is in Stockton is because of him. It's going to be a, if anything, noise-wise, it's going to be as ruckus as it's going to be for him showing up for this six-round fight, and he should put on the show because he is actually that interesting to see so far. If uh, if it makes you feel any better, I always look at you as a as a special feature to the Big Fight Weekend podcast, <laughs> even if it is only six rounds. Uh, again, uh, Betirbiev is uh, defending the IBF heavyweight championship. Seems like all the Russians have the light heavyweight titles in in round robin. There's another title fight as well, a junior bantamweight title fight on that ESPN card. But again, most every Everybody is focusing in on the DAZN card and Alvarez Jacobs. Okay, another subject as we skip along with Marquise Johns, who you can find at Weak Sauce Radio on Twitter. Love that Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, he uh, oversees, he's the lead writer of BigFightWeekend.com, does a fantastic job, lots of content there every day. The, the fight has finally been made. Thank you uh, to the boxing gods. Thank you to... Uh, Eddie Hearn, who showed up at Andy Ruiz, the American, the Mexican-American heavyweight's birthday party, if I have this straight, Marquise, to, to, to finalize or get the deal done. Did they do this over a slice of cake with party hats on to get an opponent for Anthony Joshua? Finally, a month out, someone has agreed. Tell me uh, more about what you think about American Andy Ruiz being the guy for Anthony Joshua, Madison Square Garden, June 1st. If it's Andy Ruiz, I'm pretty sure they went over a Snickers, actually, if, if it involved him with the fight, because that was his go-to uh, post-fight with the, at the last time. I do know in regards to Andy Ruiz, it was pretty much they said it was going to be between him, Luis Ortiz, and Michael Hunter, who I thought should have gotten this fight personally. And it's interesting that I noticed with this fight, they picked Ruiz out of the other two, mainly because we heard the rumors about Ortiz turning down X amount of dollars. I suppose allegedly seven million, million, se- six, seven million. What? Let's stop right there. What does that say to you if Luis Ortiz did not want that kind of guarantee, which I'd have to believe was going to be the the biggest payday of his career? What does that say to you that Ortiz wouldn't take the fight six or seven weeks out? If you ask the internet, uh, the bet the dark web was always assuming that well maybe he's not cycling, he's still on the drugs, and he wouldn't pass a different drug test like the prior like the prior boxer Jarrell Miller. But the, fact, but the but the fact of the matter is, I really believe that 
the way this is breaking down with on Ortiz as in is that the people who are handling Ortiz have done have a very poor disservice. Where the Ortiz at first says, "Well, I can't take the fight," and then his trainer will come out and says, "Well, we need more time. We don't need more money because they need less time." And then it sounds like they literally just overplayed their hand, TJ. Right. Where Eddie Herman was just like, "You know what? I'm just going to go to the next man up," and he chose Eddie Ruiz. Okay, so so David Payne was on with us before, and he said, "Look, this this is the formula that." Hearn and Joshua's people came to the United States with. We want the debut to be in the United States against somebody that some of the American boxing fans would go, okay, I've heard of that guy, but the guy, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, the guy isn't essentially a threat. He said as much as Jarrell Miller, uh, big baby, was uh, running his mouth, he was not going to be a threat to Anthony Joshua. And that Ruiz, they obviously feel in the in the Joshua camp isn't going to be a threat to hurt him, much less knock him out. And that it, that was the biggest part of the formula. Find an American. The fight is in America. And the guy is not that big of a threat. He's got somewhat of a name. And, and Joshua may steamroll this guy, may freight train him in the first round of this fight. What do, you, what do you make of all that that I laid out, that that's the reason why the pick was this? Was that Hunter, the guy you were advocating, who seems to be a leaner, meaner, uh, big puncher himself, was, was more of a threat, so therefore he was never going to be a serious candidate to be the fill-in here? That's my assumption with it as well. Also, mainly because Hunter is a quicker, uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a cruiserweight fighting as a heavyweight, so he's, he's a quicker, quicker opponent, which I do believe is what they were not looking for with this fight, because... TJ, we, me and you were on this podcast before talking about uh, Drill Miller versus Anthony Joshua. We all, boxing, the entire boxing world knew Drill Miller had absolutely no chance against Anthony Joshua June 1st. What they were looking for with Andy Ruiz is someone that we have heard of and may, may at least put, put as, as they all say in the business, a puncher's chance. And he has a puncher's chance. He did, personally, I thought he beat Parker back in 2015, 2016. Right, right. I, I personally thought he beat Parker fair and square. So at least I have heard of him in regards to well, and championship fights. And fight. he fought uh, just a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago, on Fox in the main event and has no trouble taking the payday to come right back on seven, eight weeks notice total uh, to fight this fight, get back into training. But, I mean, it's, you know, again, to go over it one more time here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, he took a full year off in 2017 in his prime and said he wanted to build some homes for part of a construction company he's invested in. Uh, a couple of the fighters he's fought in and around that time have been 40 years old or older. Um, Dmitrychenko, the guy that he just fought, was injured in the fight that they were fighting, hurt his leg. So, I mean, I just, I don't know yeah. what's real. I, I mean, I can totally envision a month from now, we still have a month to build it up, that there are a lot of people going to be greatly disappointed. This is going to be a pay-per-view situation again on DAZN where they're trying to get people to sign up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's people that have already demanded their money back at Madison Square Garden because of how long this odyssey took to come up with a fighter. Again, I'm just speculating on that. So... It's a letdown is what I'm getting. It's kind of a letdown that this is the guy they picked after all of this uh, for the fight. And I don't really know what it proves. If, if Joshua barrels over him in a minute or two minutes, I don't know that it proves anything, Marquise. One more comment from you on it. This is really just a highlight fight for Anthony Joshua to show that to the us American viewers who have not heard of Anthony Joshua, who has pretty much three out of the four heavyweight belts, that he is this force of a machine that can... Pr- pretty much take on water down the line that we can see what he looks like beforehand. I don't think this fight's going to be competitive at all either. That's why I really think they chose him over Hunter. I, 
Yeah, the guy he the guy Luis fought on on Fox on, on the Granados card looked. Let's be honest, he didn't look very good. And by the fifth round, I think his towel was his crew was willing to throw it in. So, yeah, because he was battling a leg injury, uh, and he was much bigger than Ruiz, and Ruiz was still hitting him. But that's not—I mean—that's not, I mean, not going to be as easy to do against Joshua, because Joshua's not just going to stand there without punching back and without blasting him with that right hand. So, uh, yeah, we'll Joshua's see. not a heavy bag. New, no, good point on that. Um, all right, so we move along. Uh, just a few more moments here. Marquise Johns imparting some wisdom as always. Again, uh, find him bigfightweekend.com with all the articles, previews, recaps. I've written a historical piece on Manny Pacquiao's destruction of Ricky Hatton earlier uh, this week on on May the second. That was ten years ago that that fight took place in Vegas, and, and Pacquiao. Uh, again, with the blazing hand speed, landed the big left right at the end of round two. And I think Ricky Hatton just got up off the canvas about 15 minutes ago at the MGM <laughs> Grand. I think it was 10 years that he was laid out by that left hook. So we wrote about that one. Also this weekend, the Floyd Mayweather... Oscar De La Hoya anniversary is there from 12 years ago, 2007. Mayweather beat uh, De La Hoya in a fight at... Uh, 154, not at middleweight, but they fought at junior middleweight, 154, and Mayweather got the decision. So the 12-year anniversary is on that one. At that at that time, Marquise, uh, you talk about big money, that fight was the richest non-heavyweight title fight ever at that point. $165 million generated in revenue, including wow. on pay-per-view. For De- That's how big a deal De La Hoya was, how up-and-coming Floyd Mayweather was as a former U.S. Olympian himself. And Mayweather got the decision and, of course, continued on as an unbeaten champion and retired as an unbeaten champion. So that one was 12 years ago. You have a quick comment about uh, that as, as De La Hoya was clearly winding to the end of his career. And, uh, and Mayweather Jr. was on the ascension on the way up. Yes, that, with that fight, because I remember the, lead, the build up to that fight. And I remember HBO having a series. Of, yep. they, they did the whole Mayweather 24 7. Where pretty much uh, he pretty much ridiculed his family first of all, which I thought was pretty <laughs> interesting, and second of all, it was really the part of, t- of the time where Floyd pretty much embraced the gimmick of him being this evil human being that everyone has grown to hate. He he was pretty much saying he was going to be De La Hoya. He came into the ring wearing Mexican boxing trunks, right? And like the villain, the fight, like a pro wrestling villain almost. He, he officially became the villain with this fight, and after he won the decision, he abruptly retired, as many people seem to forget as well, which did, which pretty much cemented his place in history as that guy in boxing. And, and how long like, did he stay retired? About three months, and then he fought again, about, or five? Yeah, about, or? I think it was like, he, he retired about, I want to say six months tops. It was, he, was, it was he wasn't out 30 long. minutes, I don't know how long it was. Yeah. but So yes, Mayweather got that, uh, that title win and became the first five-division world champ at that time with that victory others have now done it since so that was 2007 the one that we're going to be writing about even more on bigfightweekend.com because i love the history pieces is the may 7th 2005 title fight uh the world lightweight championship fight in vegas between diego corrales and jose luis castillo which uh again they had a couple of fights and this one is regarded as one of the greatest action-packed fights certainly of the 2000s if not modern boxing including Marquise, one of the greatest final rounds, the 12th, the 12th and final round, uh, Corrales knocked down um, uh, twice, and then, and then uh, well, it was the final round of the fight. It wasn't the 12th round, but the final round of the fight. Of the fight. Cor- Corrales knocked down twice and yet got the victory himself, got off the canvas twice, and still knocked out Jose Luis Castillo. 
Man, that was 14 years ago. But you talk about modern Rock'em Sock'em robots. That was a great fight, sir. That was an absolute war. And actually, it really is one of my favorite fights, personally. In that fight, that last round, I'm pretty sure it was the fight the fight round of the year. Was it 2005? 2005, yes. And the, the Ring Magazine fight of the year. And that was also the round of the year. Uh, that, I mean, we talked about Hagler and Hearns before on these podcasts and written about it on BigFightWeekend.com. That first round is the standard. This 10th round as the final round of a fight may be as good as any final round, except I've got one for you and for the fans on BigFightWeekend.com. If you ever want to go and watch a great final round of a fight, go back and watch Larry Holmes and Ken Norton Jr., or Ken Norton Sr., not the football-playing son, Ken Norton Sr. Go back and watch Holmes capture the world heavyweight title against Ken Norton in the 15th and final round. Uh, That is one of the greatest final rounds of Rock'em Sock'em Robots just stand and beat the daylights out of each other. Uh, It was in Las Vegas. Uh, I do not believe there was a knockdown. They just beat the... It's it's similar to Hagler-Hearns. They beat each other for three minutes uh, with Holmes as the unbeaten up-and-comer, Norton kind of the aging guy that had lost four or five times, last chance at a crack at the heavyweight title for him. And here's another thing to look for while I'm playing Where's Waldo, famous Where's Waldo. When you're watching the end of this fight, look in the background at about the third row. They fought this fight, Marquise, as you can visualize this, inside. They had an inside pavilion at like Caesar's Palace. They had the outside pavilion back in the 60s and the 70s where Evil Knievel did the famous jump over the uh, over the fountains <laughs> and wrecked himself on Wide World of Sports. So that was outside at Caesar's Palace. Inside, they had this pavilion that seated about 5,000 people. So in about the third row is as iconic a who's who of of Hollywood and sports standing there because you have Sylvester Stallone, fresh off of Rocky, standing there with the full head of black hair. Uh, <laughs> they hadn't made Rocky two yet uh, with his butterfly collar and his sports jacket. You oh, have man. the great Chevy Chase of Saturday Night Live fame and some movies in the late 70s standing next to Stallone. And you have Roberto Duran. The Hands of Stone, standing right next to both of those guys. And they are on their feet, and both of them are cheering. All three of them are cheering. Duran's like shadow boxing during that 15th round. It's incredible to watch. Just search it on YouTube. Search it on Google. Get the video of Holmes, Norton, and skip to the final round and watch Stallone and Fletch, Chevy Chase, and, and Roberto Duran going crazy in the third row behind it. It's worth it. It's worth it to watch that. So there's a great reference on a fight. How about that for me going back in the history machine on Big Fight Weekend podcast there on great final rounds? I can just see just Roberto Duran still thinking he's part of the fight, just standing up. And remember, Duran Duran was a menacing (laughs) lightweight that not a lot of people worldwide or or even in America knew a lot about because he hadn't fought Sugar Ray Leonard yet, and he beat him. He hadn't gotten knocked out by Hearns. He had won a lot of... Uh, uh, fights in the lighter weight divisions and and was uh, but yeah go go back and see that fight. Cosell is on the call for ABC by himself and back in the day Howard Cosell would call all of the huge uh, title fights by himself on television. So Cosell's on the call of uh, of Holmes and Norton and it is just great theater for three minutes in a fifteenth round. They don't fight fifteen rounds anymore, but that was a great. I mean, not just good, a great fifteenth round with excellent scenery. Uh, in the background 
Um, I, lo- I love going back and seeing those things. So great. Uh, tremendous ringside threesome there for uh for stallone and chevy chase and roberto duran standing <laughs> that there that just sounds so amazing check it out i can just hear Cosell saying it right now oh. where it's like toe to toe they go in the middle of, middle the, of the ring, ring. oh <laughs> all right so go back and watch that go back and watch castillo and corrales and get fired up for their in their final round for for canelo and for jacobs and of course, we we give you the chance, plug away on what they can read all weekend, what they can find out on BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise. BigFightWeekend.com. We'll have the recaps of, of course, Canelo Jacobs. We will have the update of the Better Viv, uh, pretty much a hot rod card in regards to who fought and won on that one, because no one else will, no one else was watching that fight. So I'll have, I, will, I got you covered on that one as well, as well as the undercard on that. Also on Big Fight Weekend, I will have the update in regards to the Mayweather De La Hoya fight. Oh yeah, that the historical really, one. Right, right, right. That because that fight is tremendous, and it, it really is one of those ones. And TJ, that's why I ask you off the spot. Do you think De La Hoya won that fight? Because if you ever see the whole De La Hoya in, in in social circles, he's to this day is adamant and is taking to the grave with him that he's won that fight fair. Well, he he won a lot of the earlier rounds, uh, and then it all and then Mayweather seemed to come on. And look, there was more than one occasion where De La Hoya came on at the end of a fight and found a way to pull it out. What was it, Ike Quarte? There was another one with Felix Trinidad where it seemed as though he was losing and had to rally late. So, I, you know, you can make the case that De La Hoya won it, but I, I love, because I'm looking at the image while we're talking right now, I love the image of Floyd Mayweather playing the pro wrestling villain where he's in the Mexican trunks. He's even got the red, white, and green shoes on. Uh, yes. in the in the fight, the Mexican uh, shoes as well for Floyd Mayweather going against Oscar De La Hoya. So yeah, that's a good one to recap from the historical perspective. And that one again, twelve years ago, May fifth, two thousand seven, on Cinco de Mayo, we get Canelo and uh, Jacobs on May the fourth uh, of uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend. We'll see if that one's any good. And again, this man will be writing all about it. Uh, follow him at Weak Sauce Radio, Radio on on Twitter. Love that Twitter handle. Find him as well. BigFightWeekend.com. Enjoy the fights, Marquise. Let's hope we get a good one with uh, Alvarez and Jacobs for this weekend. Thank you, sir. Thank you, TJ. This should be a good one. And as always, may the fourth be with you. There we go. We get ready now for Canelo and Jacobs Saturday night on DAZONE, and that is coming up. Uh, from Las Vegas, 12 rounds scheduled, undisputed middleweight championship as Canelo Alvarez looks to successfully defend his versions of the middleweight championship, making what is now his fourth defense of those belts against Daniel Jacobs with a record uh, right now of 51-1-2 with 35 knockouts. Meanwhile, for Jacobs, he's got the IBF version of the belt, and we'll see what happens uh, for him in this one. 35 wins, two defeats, 29 knockouts. Can he land the big shots against Canelo? That's what we're going to find out on Saturday evening. My thanks to our guest, Sergio Mora, on the call with Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix on DAZN. And a reminder, subscribe. Uh, get in on DAZN's uh, subscription offer, $99 for the next 12 months through DAZN, starting with this fight on Saturday evening. Again, uh, Sergio Mora, the Latin Snake, will be on the call with Brian Kenny of this Canelo Jacobs fight. My thanks also to David Payne, the boxing writer 
Rider. Follow him on social media at The Boxing Rider and the website boxingrider.co.uk for his insight. My thanks also to Marquise Johns. Be reading bigfightweekend.com all weekend for previews of Canelo Jacobs, everything that's going on up to the minute news, uh, etc. Analysis, historical pieces like we talked about throughout the podcast, that Mayweather uh, De La Hoya anniversary of this weekend, that great Corrales Castillo fight anniversary uh, from back in 2010 or 2005 uh, that's there and available. So, uh, again, historical pieces, previews, recaps. It's all on BigFightWeekend.com, and we thank Marquise Johns for being with me as well on this. I am merely TJ Reeves. We have enjoyed previewing uh, Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs. I think it's going to be Canelo when it's all said and done. A late-round stoppage or a decision, he will win convincingly. Will this be an exciting fight? Will we see some knockdowns? Will we see uh, both guys go for broke? in this one i certainly hope so i don't know uh, it may be dull and if it does it lives up to what the other fights have been so far this year the biggest ones at least the ones in the u.s not exciting enough let's hope we get a good one again DAZN will televise and we look forward to talking all about it and we look forward to being back soon here on another edition of big fight weekend as we look forward to previewing and reviewing all the biggest fights when they happen i'm tj reeves thank you for being with me a reminder subscribe via itunes and wherever podcasts are found Thanks also to our friends at Red Circle uh, hosting this podcast as well. Big things ahead as part of the relationship here with Big Fight Weekend. As always, stay in touch. BigFightWeekend.com with everything going on. That'll do it here for this edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Enjoy Canelo Jacobs. Put up your dukes for Saturday night. And thank you for being with us on Big Fight Weekend.